strapped in the trenches Making moves going all out Every day handle business You know that the hustle don't stop Got my team, let's get it Reviewing books and talk stocks Steady keep it moving So you gon' wanna tune in Get Lowdown, it's an app Get local food on demand Delivery right to your home Everything in the palm of your hand Took hard work and dedication Come through, join the conversation This is history up in the making We just wanna be an inspiration Hey, let's go Welcome to another episode of Bootstrapped in the Trenches. We are live here. We've got uh, guest Sharon Richter coming on the horn here in about 30 minutes, which I, I know we had a lot of fun last week uh, with Laura Berman. Um, Laura Berman, I'm sorry, what was the the rest of her last name? Oh, God. Um, fourth, fourth game. Fourth great last yeah, name. So... Yeah. Sharon, we might as well give her a proper introduction here before getting into everything else. She is a business performance and executive coach, and she works with Focal Point Business Coaching, which is a premier, the world's premier coaching organization. It looks like it's a franchise, and she's had some quite a career, actually. Uh, Sharon was actually the Associate Dean of Student Affairs and Administration at Columbia Law School for a couple of years. And she's also held board leadership roles at Lehigh University. She is currently a secretary at NAWBO NYC, which is the National Association of Women's Business Owners. And I, I guess the voice of America's 10.6 million women-owned businesses so she seems like a, a go-getter and a motivator, somebody else that's not afraid to speak in front of a, a bunch of people. And it'll be interesting to see if she has any different angles than we saw last week with Laura Berman Fort Gang, but interesting back-to-back guests. We did Lisa Munjak, who actually introduced me to uh, Laura last week, same connection to Sharon. So similar field from the same person I met through lunch club, which is a, that cool networking thing where you just get thrown with random strangers every week on connections. So that's been interesting. Yeah. That uh, thing has been awesome for, uh, for setting up guests for us. Yeah. I honestly haven't been on one in weeks just because the, the few that I did just seemed to be, I, I, I don't know. I was kind of expecting it to be a bit different with who I'd randomly be up meeting. Uh, and I guess it's just a hit or miss type of thing. You can either be connected with a top venture capitalist or somebody that's unemployed. So, you know, it's one of the, it's a numbers game, like everything I've got to give that more time, but yeah, it is cool. Cause you meet a lot of people. I know we're all now on house on the uh, clubhouse, too, which is an interesting platform that seems to be taking off and still kind of getting its feet wet, but that's been cool to say. And, uh, what else do we have here? Corey, you put together some good lineup of rundown topics. Obviously, happy MLK Day to everybody. It seems like this year it's held a lot more substance than previous years. I almost think, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement, all of the riots the last year, it seems like this year people are not, it's not that they didn't take MLK Day more seriously in the past, but it seems to have more of an impact this year than from as far back as I could remember, I think as a kid, a lot of us looked at it as, oh, great, a day off from school. But it seems like people are 
sitting back and actually reflecting more this year on the meaning of it. So that, that's cool to say. Um, yeah, that is cool to see. Yeah, the other thing was uh, NFL recap. Um, yeah, Tampa Bay. We we both called that worked, and we called. I think we were spot on with all those games. Yeah, Cleveland played uh played them tough and covered the spread. If you bet on them, I think it was ten points, which I think is just a crazy spread in a playoff game. Um, and you got to give Andy yeah. Reid credit for sticking with being aggressive when his star quarterbacks out. I don't think any other coach that would was be that was insane. Anything like that? Yeah, that Where was it's like, oh, absolutely in this. So yeah, I, I couldn't believe that. Chad Henney running 14 yards is remarkable. I don't know how you yeah, let that happen. Like, but, yeah, um, yeah. I yes. mean, looks like Tom Brady and Drew Brees after the game on the field with uh, Drew Brees' kids. Mm-hmm. He was throwing touchdown passes. It, it was awesome. Yeah, no, I think that was Drew Brees' last oh, game career. So, oh. Corey, did you see that clip? I did. Corey, did you? I missed that, but that that's awesome. I love that. Yeah, look it up, man. It was cool. They were both in their street clothes, Brady and Breeze, and it was just two of them. And Breeze had his kids out there. And it looks like he's got like eight kids. I don't even know. And Bruce <laughs> and, and literally Peyton like threw his kid like a, an outpost route. And the kid like jumped up and caught it in the touchdown. And then that's awesome. Brady, yeah, and then Brady was like basically said something along the lines of like, Oh man, like where were you tonight? Saints could have used it. <laughs> wow. Yeah, right in front of Brady. It's like a soft little jab. It's awesome. That's what Brady does, those soft little jabs, and now he's in his 14th championship game. So winners win. I think that's what – Corey, and you said it too. You can't go against Brady. I do think, though, yeah. that uh, Aaron Rodgers is going to beat him next week in Lambeau, his first ever hosting an NFC championship game, which is remarkable to think about in yeah, the career. Um, I, mean, I think yeah, it's well- here. I'd love to see Brady beat them. It's like the one time I'd actually be happy that, you know, Brady wins and gets back to the Super Bowl. I just like that team. I think they, it's a cool team. They got like, I don't know. They got their weapons, Antonio Brown, Mike, uh, Mike Evans. Like I like all of their guys and I don't hate Brady now that he's not on the Patriots. Yeah. It's a different vibe. What I, in saying that I do want to see Rogers win a second Super Bowl ring. I, I think he deserves that. The guy is you know, that team, sure, they're very good, but it's Aaron Rodgers. Like every year with the Packers, I think to myself, throw any other quarterback here. Well, Brady would probably be winning like he always does, but mo- that team is never that good. I think Devontae yeah. Adams is could be the best receiver in football right now. Yeah. After that, though, they're, they're spread thin. I mean, they you have know? a bunch of decent guys, but nothing special. And yeah. kudos to Baker Mayfield for his haters. I, I think you could push that to the side. That guy is the real deal. He's a franchise quarterback. He's got a chip on his shoulder, and he's extremely talented. I'm glad that – and because I was a big Mayfield believer when he came into the league. I was starting to worry a little, but he – that Tennessee game in the regular season was his stamp on, hey, I'm the real deal, and you'll see him win Super Bowls. I'm very confident in that. That guy, yeah, he has good picks. So, yeah. Last night was also the first time I saw Jason Pierre-Paul in like four years. And he looks like yeah, he, really he's been solid. He's got like long hair now. He looks way skinnier. He's long got hair and less fingers. Long hair, yeah. fingers. <laughs> that guy. Well, he's I mean, still good though. Yeah, still good. Just the most boneheaded, timely. Unlike when you think yeah. of timeliness in life and the dumbest decision of all time. I mean, it, I, he made that. Yeah, it goes back to like the people around you. 
how do you let him even do that? Like that's your prized possession. How do you even let him light fireworks? Yeah, so wild. Another NFC championship. I think we're, I think we have a Green Bay Buffalo Super Bowl. I, I, I really, I think Buffalo has that it factor this year. They're going to give Mahomes a hard time if he's coming back from that concussion. And I don't yeah, know. That should be interesting. It should. I like that Bills team. They're just, you don't want to play them. It's that type of vibe. So, yeah. Yeah, baby. But um, I could see Conj getting riled up and going to a Bills game if they, uh, you know, even Conj, you should be at the AFC Championship next week. I could see it. That's like a Sean Powell type of movie. It really is without many fans there just showing up and crushing. Or going to like a big time Bills bar in <laughs> In Buffalo, just going up there, yeah, to go to a get like Bill's Mafia vibe, just to get it in. You know, the little known fact: our studio is actually in Buffalo, New York, and I bleed blue, buddy. Wow! Ever since that, you know, and for our viewer, Quizmaster Sean was actually almost the victim of the first selfie punch before Instagram thing at a NFC Championship game, Giants 49ers. Some guy thought he was being mocked when Kanj was taking a photo of himself. And the reality was this was before Instagram was around, so no one even knew selfies existed. Quizmaster Sean invented the selfie. Before it's true. It thing. Selfies didn't exist yet. So for all we know, the, the head guy at Instagram saw that happen in San Francisco at the game, and then Instagram came about, thanks to Kanj. That was actually the guy who pushed me down the bleachers, the head guy <laughs> over at Instagram. Wow. There we go. And, uh, and yeah, Corey, interesting fact, VC spending a record in 2020, $130 billion, and in saying that 9% fewer deals than the year before, but mega rounds are on the rise. And as we're seeing consolidations on the rise and, I, yeah, it seems like these SPAC companies have led to way more IPOs, naturally, where you're yeah. just, everyone and their mother is going public. With I think the, the other stat to that, I didn't put down, but it was like the average investment was about $100 million. Wow. So, yeah. hey, you we could just throw darts in a black room and hit up a VC these days and be like, hey, man, I don't know what's going to stick, but you should give us a check. One of the average Bitcoin purchased like 0.2. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Saw that too. Wait, what do you mean the average purchase? Like the average transaction for a Bitcoin purchase was 20% of a Bitcoin. Yeah. So because like, you could buy partial shares. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So like that's like the average people are buying. It's just like a fraction of a share on every purchase. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, we'll see where that whole thing goes. That's been quite the craziness lately with Bitcoin mania. Um, and then, you know, with saying that with these IPOs and the VCs, Uber, which when you think of like this whole on-demand economy and this VC world we're in, Uber is really the poster child of that, of this, the last decade. And they're slimming down, which is very interesting hearing that they're getting yeah, rid I thought of this one was interesting. Yeah, the Postmates robot delivery arm. I mean, you know, it's one of those things like when you're a company like Uber and you're now public, if you're starting to see things in the pipeline that are just continue to be in the pipeline and they're a laggard on your P&L and yeah, you're starting to be held accountable for your expenses a bit more. 
things have to be chopped. But that that to me is more concerning on a, a macro for when you're seeing an Uber slimming down. Is that a sign, a warning sign for the economy? And more so, I just think it's the style of that CEO came from Expedia. He's just like a guy whose whole plan is to try and get to profitability and kind of cut out the fluff. And if you recall, Uber a few years ago when Travis was at the helms, it was one fluff piece after the next. And they were spending yeah. money on things that, you know, were fluff pieces for 10 years out. And that stuff's important. And Uber is the type of company that if there's companies that succeed in making the progress that they think they need to incorporate with their path, they'll just go out and buy somebody. So I think it just shows that they're properly managed and focused right now. And I agree. They, yeah, they're going to get into all those things on their own pace. And as we know, you can't do more than one thing great at a time. No matter how much resources you have, it really, as we see with any company, they have to do one thing great. And I think with Uber, they're still in this weird gap, as we see in our industry, even with food delivery. The I think they really overestimated the timeline years ago on how fast self-driving was coming with everything. I think their model is so reliant on that coming out sooner than later. And well, they ditched that too, though. Well, I, I more mean just the whole economies of scale with their whole ecosystem. They yeah. like can't make money with humans doing deliveries the way they are for them. It just doesn't work. So even their technology and different companies they've rolled up. And when you think about it, though, it should work. Like the whole, what makes Uber such an attractive business model is they should be able to have very small overhead at the end of the day. They're not providing the cars. They're not doing the driving. For them to be able to, it's very similar to Airbnb. They're utilizing somebody else's service and being able to offer it at scale and then take a transaction fee on every single transaction. They are going to be a very profitable company. That's why they're shutting down all these different sub-factors that are costing them hundreds of millions of dollars that are bleeding them cash. When you think about it, if you go and you take a $45 Uber ride, and Uber was able to make three bucks off that. And I know they make a lot more, but I mean, with the amount of volume they do, that's going to be a very, very profitable company. With the way I think Uber has shot themselves in the foot for continuing to charge not enough to the consumer. When you look like my site, I up at any point. Like, Uber yeah, sure, but they should have done it already. Uber, I took an Uber to Miami last night. It was 24 bucks. But that's Florida's, Florida's rates are like insanely low. But, but then yeah, I talked to the driver and he's just like, yeah, I don't know how I can keep doing this. So at some point it's like who, something has to give with that. Where yeah, it's that like, might be charge a customer and they're going to not take Uber as much. Yeah. yeah, it's weird. Every time I'm down there, I'm like, this is amazing. But here, I mean, they're pretty expensive. Yeah. yeah. It'll so be, it just be relative to location. I just think it's such a great business model when you look at them somewhere to Airbnb, so much more so than like even a company like Snapchat or Facebook that basically rely a hundred percent on advertising. Uber and Airbnb Facebook is not Facebook. I mean, look, they have a lot of different departments, but at the end of the day, they rely heavily on advertising. That's like their main stream of income. And when you look at Airbnb and Uber, they rely on people living their lives. And they get a transaction of every bit of that. It's such dominant. I think Facebook's business model is so much better. It might have been a bad one to put into yeah. an example, but not, I'm basically saying that a company that's able to make money off of a 
per transaction, like like our company, it's way better than a company that needs to sell ads and bank on like a good economy where small companies are spending a lot of money on advertisements, and that's how they're going to then come through at the end of the year with big revenues. Because at the end of the day, companies like Uber and Airbnb, they just need to rely on people wanting to like go out and enjoy themselves. But they still haven't proven that they can get this type of business when they're charging correctly. That's the my ongoing problem with all these companies. It's a great concept and it's great they get all this business, but when you're not actually making money on the transactions, what get like at what point is a consumer price sensitive to not taking an Uber? It's a great convenience until it's not. That's the thing. Like, it's but really- I think, and I think this, uh, the lockdown really put that into light. It's like, I really don't need an Uber. There's other ways to get around. Yeah. You know, you yeah, I think Uber has some problems personally. I don't think they are uh, by any means a shoe in to turn into a profitable beast. I they, think that they have, they need things to happen with ex- technology advancing and rolling out for them to actually be what they were hoping to be a few years ago. Right now, they're—it's like they're in this holding pattern. It's you know, you would think there's something coming though out of all this that's going to be huge for Uber. There has to be the way the world yeah. is going to come out of this pandemic. Yeah. So that's what I'm. It'll be interesting. But then we got uh, and yeah, Miami on the rise for the next tech hub. I mean, Corey, you know, part of why I came down here clearly was that. Yeah, I mean, the mayor's pushing for it. Obviously, tax reasons. I don't see why not. It seems like a great spot for a tech. Yeah, it seems that like companies were most concerned with like employees handling Miami. When you're, I guess, when you're not from Miami and you get put into that, that uh, you know, I guess into that light, into that life, and it's just like, you know, partying, and you have to be able to handle that. So that's what employees were most employers were most concerned with. It's like Vegas not having a pro sports team up until recently. And then it's like, well, they're doing it anyway. Like at yeah. some point, that's all that you got to just roll with it. Yeah, um, exactly. Should we get Quizmaster Sean rocking here? My yeah, bad. Let's, let's do it. Sorry about oh. that, Sean. And now it's time for everyone's favorite <laughs> podcast game show with Mike Rollins Lunch. We got Dan and Corey challenging today. And uh, a little applause for our new champion. Dan Roland, everybody. Docking. Starting 2021 strong. Dan, you excited? I am very excited. Sorry, I'm a little distracted dealing with something at the moment, but I'm about to put my game face on. Well, Marie is distracting him. You better defend <laughs> that belt, buddy. Today, we're looking at two challengers. Corey, what are you thinking here? You think you're going to win? Yeah, I think it's my week. Um Wow. Yeah, I'm going I'm to take Mike Rowland's lunch. Well, <laughs> let's get it going. Your categories are gas, grass, or sea bass, get rich or diet trying, and wait, don't eat that. I'm going to go with uh, get rich, diet trying. Get rich or diet trying. The vision diet was popularized in Japan. What does it entail? What was the name of diet, Conch? The Vision Diet. Vision Diet. Is it eating blindfolded, staring at your food for five minutes before eating, looking at unappealing pictures while eating, or eating with blue sunglasses on? 
I mean, I, I don't know if this is the answer, but I think it's genius. And I like uh, looking at unappealing pictures before eating. And that is. Oh, I'm, I'm going to try that, though. It's a good idea, but it's actually eating with blue sunglasses on. <laughs> what does it do? Apparently, looking at things through a blue hue makes them less appetizing. Uh, science. Science is a bastard sometimes. Next up, Dan, defending your belts. How's, this, how's the weekend been, Dan? It's been groovy. Groovy indeed. I know that feeling. So what do we got? We got gas, grass, or sea bass, or wait, don't eat that. Wait, don't eat that. Ooh, and with that, we have our Daily Double. Hmm. Now, if we all remember our Daily Double rules, this means that, Dan, this is worth two points. However, if you miss it, Dan and Corey have their shot at it. Are you ready? Born ready. In 1998, Sara Lee issued a recall of 35 million pounds of hot dogs after 100 people became in, ill with intense diarrhea and 21 died as a result of listeria. How many standard size hot dogs are made from 35 million pounds? Is it 70 million, 140 million, 350 million, or 700 million? Um, I'm going to go with the 70 number. 70 million? Yeah, because you said 35 million hot dogs, right? That, that's right. Yeah, I mean, a hot dog should almost be a full pound in itself, isn't it? I mean, am I way overthinking this? Or uh, I don't know. We'll find out in a second. Yeah, so <laughs> a hot dog is equivalent now to a half of a pound. I feel like a hot dog weighs. What are the other options, Con? Can you answer that? 140 million, 350 million, and 700 million. Go with 140 mil. 140 mil. Oh, I'm uh, sorry. Corey and Dan, write down your answers really quick. All right. Me and Mike or me and Dan? Mike, I meant Mike. Mike, you're up first. What am I answering? 70 million, 350 million, or 700 million. How many hot dogs can you make from 35 million pounds? The 700 million. And Corey? I'll, I'll go 350. 350, yeah. and that is. Oh, Corey gets it. 350 yeah. million. That's two points for Corey. Yes. Well, what is that? Catch I'm, so, I'm so annoyed at myself because I knew the answer in that and just gave Corey a layup. That was such, uh, such amateur crap. That's right. Yeah, Hot dogs are a tenth of a pound, apparently. And I knew that. That's unbelievable. Unreal, Conch. Well, it must be Florida water. I don't know. I'm second guessing myself down here. Well, let's see if you can make up some points here. Your category is gas, grass, or sea bass. Whoa. Uh, whoa. There, there, is that one category? Uh, yeah, we're doing the lightning round again for the second round this week. Okay. Uh, gas, grass, or sea bass. What ocean are black sea bass found? Is it the North Pacific, the North Atlantic, the South Atlantic, or the Indian Ocean? You know, I was going to say the Indian Ocean. It seems like that. it's either that or the North Pacific. Oh, man. Black sea bass in the Indian Ocean. Is the weather even legit there for that? Would they even survive? 
You know, I'm going to go with the North Pacific, even though my gut's telling me it's the Indian Ocean. North Pacific, and that is, oh, it's actually the North Atlantic. Oh, really? All right, that doesn't make me feel as bad then. I had no idea. Well, you can't get them all. And that brings us to our halftime here. And uh, at this point, we'd like to, uh-oh, I'm freezing up super hardcore. Um, your new uh, intern, Isaac, isn't cutting it, huh? Isaac. Oh, there he goes, Conch. So, yeah, that, conch, that's what he's doing. Yeah, that was that north. I always get confused with the water in these different, you know, bodies of water around the world, like warm versus cold. I've always had a mental block with that. I thought the answer was Indian Ocean as well. Me too. Like that, that it seemed like a given. And that was before I even brought up the Indian Ocean. I thought that was the answer, but clearly way off there. The conch. Dan, what's going on over there? Nothing. I'm <clears throat> just going back and forth with Dad about a few things. True. <laughs> what did we lose, Conch? We lost Conch. I don't know what happened there. He might be. Uh, maybe his intern started going off on him, <laughs> cutting the cords. Right. Literally, Conch is having internet issues. Uh, we have Sharon coming on in five minutes. Worst case, we'll have to just. Resume. I, I'm I'm not winning right now anyway, so it's no big deal if we have to <laughs> just push this off a week. You know, <laughs> a little asterisk. Um, yeah, never dealt with losing well. Back in those little league days, we just throw a tantrum running off the field. If I knew like we were about to lose, I, I couldn't watch the end of the game. So in my head, I'd be like, oh, this game isn't actually over. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't a great loser either. Here we we have a buddy, now that we have Conj back, who had a dad who would run the Little Leagues. Their team never lost. The one time we beat them, he claimed it was too dark. The inning we scored a lot. And that clearly, we were like, what are you kidding me? We beat you guys. Uh, that's a bunch of yeah. BS. I know. Yeah. Uh, Quizmaster Conj, what do we got? Sorry about that. Our sponsor this week is Sarah Lee. Sarah Lee, our hot dogs won't make you shit yourself to death anymore. So wow. give us another shot. There we go. Sarah Lee. Sarah Lee. They are delicious, but maybe don't eat their hot dogs. Oh, boy. And that brings us to our lightning round. Are we ready, folks? Let's do it. All right. We remember the rules from last week. I give you a category. And you tell me what it associates with. Raise your hand if you got the answer. If not, then too bad. All right. What do we got here? This week we're doing national fruits. National fruits. Do mm. you know your national fruits? The fruits are listed over here. I'll give you the countries. You tell me where they're from or which you one they are. On here. You're toast. All right. First up, we have China. Corey. Jackfruit. Jackfruit is wrong. Fuck. Mike or Dan? Mike? Persimmons. Dan. <laughs> Kiwis. Dan is right. Japan. What? Wow. Dan's the master at this. Dan. <laughs> Jackfruit. That's right. Mike. Plums. Corey. Oh, oh, did you say did you say Japan? 
Japan, yeah. Danny, okay, right Dan, Danny can go. Mangoes. Oh, wrong in a second time. Corey. Oranges. Wrong. It's persimmon. Serbia. The country is Serbia. Serbia. Mike. Grapes. Dan, Corey. What's wrong with me today? It turned uh, into Dan. Blueberries. Dan. Pomegranate. Wrong. It's plums. Bangladesh. <laughs> I said plums. Did you? Oh, then Mike gets the point. Ah, uh, Bangladesh. Permissions. <laughs> what? Mike or Corey? Bangladesh. Uh, Man, we are off here. Yeah, I don't know any of these. Wrong, and Corey, Mike. Mangoes. Oh, that's wrong too. It's jackfruit, Germany. Jeez. Oh, Germany. Mike. Persimmons. Dan. Uh, uh, Corey, sorry. Blueberries. That's wrong, Dan. Oranges. Oh, that's also wrong. Canada. <laughs> we are not on today. Canada. Oh, man. I don't know. Oranges. Uh, Dan. Oranges. Oh, you're, this, is, this is embarrassing. Corey. Grapes. Oh, Mike. Blueberries. Oh, that's right. There we go. There we go. All right. We, that's it. Chopped. We got this. There we go. Last one. India. Mike. Mangoes. That's right. Oh, oh, baby. Mike pulls it out in the end. The only one I knew. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to request an official review. I think I got like my ending on a finish. We got to just wrap this up now. I made a three-pointer, made another one. No more bricks. And now we have Sharon coming on. It's perfect. Well, there we go. And that makes uh, this week's uh, loser. Dan Rowland. Dan Rowland. Dan Rowland, oh, everybody. We're back, guys. Yeah. There we go. All right. So next week, Dan will be opening a crazy package with Marie. Corey was supposed to start this show by eating whatever package he got for last year. I didn't get any package in the mail, so. I have it ready if we have time. Well, we'll get starting next week, Corey. We'll have you crush this. We're, we're, we're back on punishments next week. And this has been Win Thanks. Mike Roland Lunch, everyone's favorite podcast. Thank you, Dan, Corey, Mike. Thanks I'll see you next week. Sean. And now we have the one and only Sharon Richter joining us. Sharon, how are you? Hi. How's Hi, how are you? Good to see you. Good to see you, too. I love the East Coast accent. It's refreshing. We, uh, we all grew up in New Jersey. Okay, well, there you go. So, Where are you from originally? Uh, I actually grew up in um, Western New York, Rochester. Okay. Oh, wow. So you're used to the snow plows and the cold weather. Absolutely. Absolutely. Are you a Buffalo Bills fan, Sharon? Uh, no, I'm not. I was going to say, because that neck of the woods, I know they're going crazy right now. They are. That for sure. Uh, they are. For sure. Well, Sharon, we appreciate you joining us. And I wanted to know with your, I d was doing some research on you and throughout this pandemic, naturally, when I think of like great leaders, coaches in person, it's so vital for, to like resonate messages and get people pumped up. What has it been like for you virtually in this world? Has the, have, do you notice some challenges with that? Oh, of course. I mean, who isn't challenged by this, right? For but, sure. Yeah, but the good thing is I had a bit of a running head start because I was doing a lot of work uh, virtually before COVID hit. Really? So before COVID hit, uh, like, listen, from Manhattan to Brooklyn, that can be a long trip. 
So I have clients um, in a variety of locations. And yeah, of course, I, I would love to meet with them in person. Uh, but sometimes it just uh, logistically just wasn't feasible. So I was working even before COVID hit with Zoom calls with my clients. Wow. And so, yeah, so I had a little bit of a head start uh, and it hasn't been as bad, but it's certainly a lot different than being there live and in person. So what is like a daily routine like for you pre-pandemic versus now in terms of meetings? Is it, have you been able to do any in-person meetings or has it all been virtual? Um, I have done a couple of very, um, very specific activities with, uh, with some clients, but it was a big deal for us to be in person. We quarantined, we tested, we got together, we wore masks, we, but it was only because we didn't have another way around it. That's the only time two days in September was the only time that I met with a client. Everything else has been hundred percent virtual. And wow. so that's very different, very, very different. Uh, I would say on a normal day prior to COVID, I would be out of the house every day. I would be meeting people probably half the day. Uh, another half the day, I might be in a co-working spot. I might be meeting somebody for lunch. I might be going to a, you know, a seminar or running a seminar or uh, some sort of networking activity. And it's all whoosh. It's all online. It's so all now online. it's you're literally you mostly like the world lately been in that mode of just working from home and. Sharon, in terms of routines, have you been able to find some life work balance? Because I know for us, it's challenging when we have to work from where we live. Well, me too. You know, I um, it's challenging in my house. I'm hoping my daughter doesn't come in in the middle here and interrupt us. But uh, <laughs> because, of course, we have, you know, I live in Manhattan. I live in a Manhattan apartment, which is, you know, not that big on the best of days and certainly not when you've been here for 10 months. Right. So, yeah. um, fortunately she's in her room for school. My husband's on the dine at the dining room table. We have sort of found our, our spot and you go and you, you, you stick it to your spot and you try not to interrupt the other people. Um, and, uh, but it definitely morphs, right? Um, there is no real, end to the day. There's a definite start to the day, mm -hmm. but there's no end to the day, meaning there's things that didn't get done. And so what's the difference of whether it gets done at five o'clock in the afternoon or nine o'clock at night, right? It just, or on the weekend, it just sort of slips. It's like a big blur, like one huge day. Absolutely. And on the one yeah. hand, I say, oh, that's bad, right? Because you should have a beginning to the day and an end to the day. And then like, you know, cut off right? We all need to rest and rejuvenate and we have other priorities in our life. Um, but on the other side, you know, hey, if my kid needs me, it's nice to know that I could just knock off for a couple hours, do what I need to do, and I can take care of the, you know, the work later. So there have been some silver linings. It, it's almost, it's made us all pause because we've been forced to and it allows you, That's yeah, right. I've noticed that with myself too, where you can kind of step back and be like, wait a minute, don't have to be go, go, go all the time. And that's great. It allows you to spend some quality time with your daughter too. That's right. That's right. Thursday afternoon, soccer, soccer in Central Park. We, you oh, know, there we, go. Go. There, be there, be square. we do it every week.
I love Central Park. I would Corey's actually in Manhattan as we speak. I was there oh, until end of September. Yeah, it's uh, it's good having at least a little greenery around throughout That's the right. city like that. That's right. That's right. Sharon, tell us, like, looking at your roadmap here, it seems like you came out of the womb as a leader. Like, were you one of those? <laughs> like, you know, one of those things is kids. Some kids like to be firemen. Some people like to be astronauts when they're five or six. Did you right away as a kid? No, just no, no. In fact, I was a pretty shy kid. Really? I was very, you know, very sort of meek and shy. And if you looked at me the wrong way, I would burst out in tears. I mean, that's this is who I was as a kid. Uh -huh. but, but something must have happened. It was around college, I think, that finally that that. I, somebody must have really irritated me where I like felt like I needed to stand my ground and speak up okay. and, and I found my voice. I found my voice when I was in college and wow. I started speaking about things that mattered to me. And I found that if you stay true to who you are and you speak out about things that matter to you, people will listen. You just have to have confidence, right? It's just a confidence um, thing. And so once I got out of school and started my professional career, well, then those leadership opportunities were just, you know, just part of the job. And, uh, and things took, things sort of took off from there. And Sharon, when did you realize you had, obviously you said it yourself being genuine and having that passion and confidence, it goes around just being who you are. At what point did you feel you had the conviction to take somebody on in that role where it's like, oh, I could actually help coach somebody with what I already have in me. Like, how did that happen? Yeah, you know, I think it sort of happened naturally just through my professional development. Um, certainly earlier, you know, in the early days of my career, of course, I was inexperienced. So, you know, you would do it in a safe way. You would ask your direct supervisor who was maybe only a year or two older than you or you would maybe practice a little bit, you know, outside of, you know, with your friends and, you know, in a safe way, right? And I also practiced a lot of leadership as a volunteer. So I was, um, so I went to Lehigh University, shout out to anybody that knows Lehigh, and uh, I went to Lehigh and, and I became involved in uh, the Alumni Association and I was a volunteer. And then I um, I met a bunch of cool people that I really liked. And so I was involved in the alumni association in my geographic area at the time I was living in Philadelphia um, and then in New York and then in Boston. And then I said, on, and then they asked me to join the national board. Um, and late, much later, I got to know so many people that I sat on the board of trustees for the university. I like, these are, you know, with big muckety muck, you know, sort of people. But my point is that that wasn't my job. I was doing it as a volunteer, but I was able to practice. I was mm. able to practice my, you know, sort of my professionalism and participation in important meetings and how to ask questions and where to ask questions and whether those conversations should be happening in the big meeting or maybe on the side for the, you know, for the meeting and how to get the best result. So it was that volunteer experience that helped me develop as a leader which then helped me in my professional in my in my uh, professional career, because I was able to then bring that back and wow. say, okay, now I now I have an idea of how this is supposed to be done. That's so, really yeah. enlightening. The whole notion of you volunteer your own time and it's almost a stepping stone in your career because people are like, well, Karen is spending time out of her day to help here. 
we should listen okay. to her. That's, That's really right. interesting. I've never and thought it was, about And it was a safe space, right? I was practicing with friends. I was practicing with other alumni, people who liked me. It was a safe space to practice where I didn't really have a lot to lose, mm -hmm. right? It wasn't like, oh, you know, that's a dumb idea. Like, you know, I could be fired from my job. No, I could try things out. And so yeah. that was a really, um, that was a really positive experience for me. That's like a great soundboarding platform because when you're volunteering, it's like, well, hey, I'm doing this for free already. It's not like this is my job. So that's exactly. really cool. Because I volunteered over the years with random things. And I've never thought of it in that way at all. That's, well, that's somebody, somebody said something. Uh, I know exactly who it is, but um, uh, um, someone that also went to Lehigh, uh, but um, was probably 12 or 13 years uh, ahead of me that I met along the way, another, you know, a friendly alumni, alum, who said to me, made a really great uh, recommendation very early on, right out of college, said, you know, get involved in your community, get involved, you'll do a lot of different things, but pick one to really get into and spend a long time doing it. Like pick one really meaningful activity. And for me, it was Lehigh. It wasn't to say that I wasn't also involved in, you know, the Girl Scouts or the Philharmonic or the parks or, you know, whatever it was. I did a bunch of other things, but pick one thing that, that you just don't sort of flit in and flit out for six months or, you know, six months or a year. I did it for like 25 years. Wow. <laughs> um, and really, you know, really get to know the people, really get to know the mission. And that way you can really make a meaningful impact. That's amazing. And yeah. is it one of those things, Sharon, do you think your experience at being working so closely with a university such as Lehigh helped give you the confidence and direction to even be involved at a Pricewaterhouse type of play where, you know, you're working at a Pricewaterhouse Coopers such a behemoth company. Did that give yeah. you a sense of comfort coming from that? Well, yeah, sure. I mean, there were a lot of people from, uh, you know, it, at at Lehigh, there were a lot of accounting accounting majors that found their way into, you know, into Pricewaterhouse and, you know, myself included. And so there was definitely a pipeline, definitely a pipeline there. Uh -huh. And um, so, uh, so it wasn't foreign. I had met a number of people. I had gone to um, seminars and things, you know, and things like that that made me made me successful. So, so for sure, that that paved that paved the way, the way. But the I'd say the Lehigh experience, whether it was undergraduate or volunteer work, you know, just kept on coming up in my in my career. I mean, the my experience on the at Lehigh on the board of trustees is the whole reason I got my job at Columbia University much later and moved into higher education. I wouldn't have been able to make that sort of transition if I hadn't had that sort of intimate experience in higher education. And can you talk about was there the pressure level at Columbia? Because when I saw that you had that role there, I was in my head like that seems like a pressure cooker. Like, was, did you feel, what was that like, that responsibility? Oh, it was total pressure cooker. It was, uh, it was a great term. Um, it, um, challenging, exciting, lo I, like I love to learn. I love to meet new people. I love to have, you know, interesting projects. And yet, like banging my head against the wall all the time, like every day. It was like <laughs> that all of the time. <laughs> 
man, I can't even imagine. Did it, did you have to play bad cop randomly with that position where you uh, all the time? All, all the time. time. And what is that like, Sharon? Because you seem like a great human, but you have to also at times be in a level where people are not going to like you. A lot of times they didn't like me. It's so really what's hard. that feeling like? How do you deal it's with awful. that going to bed at night? It's awful. And it's to be honest with you, it's one of the reasons I ended up leaving. Really? I, I, it was making me anxious. It was making me um, like just stressed out and, and sort of sick just to uh, always be. Now, listen, I was hired to be a bad guy. Uh-huh. And you knew hired. that going in. I knew that going in. Uh-huh. I was, hired, I was hired for my corporate experience. I was hired for my independent, to bring an independent perspective. I was hired to shake things up. Um, but that takes a toll. That for sure. A, that takes I, a toll. And eventually I said, I, you know, eventually I said, um, no, this isn't, I don't want to do this. Moving I don't want to do this anymore. Moving on. Did you notice with that, did, like in terms of, I was asking when I sent you the questions about blind spots, when you're helping coach people, if you notice with leaders recurring patterns where they have blinders on with certain things, through that experience, were you able to pick up on when someone had their backs against the wall and were kind of in a precarious situation, were you able to pick up on some things that you left from there being able to utilize as a leader? Uh well, I mean, I think it's, I think it's pretty, it, it, it's pretty easy to spot uh -huh. like those that are, um, that are, um, you know, that are in important positions, but don't necessarily have the leadership skills that they need. And, mm -hmm. um, and, and that's what I really brought. That's what I really brought in. Cause I've had a lot of experience building teams and in, you know, in the corporate world, you, you know, you have a job, you have a goal, you have a mission to accomplish and you're held accountable. You know, you're held accountable to that. But in uh, higher education, there's a lot of, ex there can be a lot of excuses. And I'm not, I'm not into excuses. Like, well, let's just, and one of the things that I love to do is figure out the path, right? So things are hard. So I like to, um, you know, when there is a goal, you know, there's a starting point and then there's a clear, a clear vision. Mm -hmm. We have to have that really clear vision. And then you need to just figure out how to get from point A to point B. Right. Um, and then, you know, but once you, and so for people that just talk a lot about our, our goals with no action plan, you know, well, you know, a goal without a plan is just a wish, right? I mean, you mm. just, yeah, you know, yeah, we it's like where we want to be, but if you have to have a plan, you have to have a plan. And so when you ask the question about like the leadership skills, um, you know, I really think there's a couple different dimensions of a leader. Like clearly uh, people have um, skills, they have knowledge, but you have to ha also have the you also have to have the right attitude. You have to be able to you have to be able to move things forward, and you have to be able to deliver. And it's that piece that you can figure out pretty quickly. If people are talkers but not doers, they're never going to be able to actually accomplish what it is that they want. 
So uh, have you run into that with like people you've brought on as clients where it's just you've seen a recurring pattern of they'll talk a big game and not execute what you help them lay out where you're like, this is not worth my energy because I can't coach you. Because I always wonder that with next level coaches, um, here they go silent on a player or in a work environment. It's bad yeah. news where they just check out. Uh, well, I suppose that could, you know, can happen, but I'm really careful about who I work with. Okay. And because the people that I work with, um, they, they need to demonstrate to me that they really want to do the work. So, uh, so an example is, so somebody might talk to me about some goal that they're trying to accomplish and it's going to be really frustrating for me if you want to accomplish that goal, but we don't want to do the work to get there. Why should I coach you? So I actually have a pretty extensive vetting process before I bring people on as customers. So it has to be two-sided, right? They, they will have to want to hire me, but I also have to want to work with them. <laughs> and, yeah. um, and so I want to make sure that they're going to do the work. And so I have a number of hurdles through my, when we're, when we're dancing before you've hired me, I have a number of hurdles that you have to get through to sort of prove to me. But at the end of the day, it's my gut, right? I have to get along with them. They have to, um, uh, the, the work has to interest me. For sure. Because I, mean, I, I don't want to work with, you know, yucky people. I want to work with people that I like. So, uh, but, uh, but, but yeah, the, it, it can happen that, um, and if somebody is not willing to do the work to reach the goal, well then why pay a coach? It's a great point. Yeah, at that point, it's like, hey, you're wasting your money and everyone's time. This isn't working. Yeah, yeah that's right. Wow. And when, did, Sharon, when did you realize it, there was a time where focal life, focal point coaching, excuse me, was going to be a part of your life? Was there just an aha light bulb type of moment or was it kind of a natural progression? Well, um, you know, I decided to leave Columbia and I knew I wanted to do something else. And I didn't know what the something else was going to be, but I knew it wasn't going to be a large corporate endeavor. I had done that. I had you done that I had done Wall Street. I had done higher education. I wanted to do something that looked very different and but leveraged my skills and my experience. And so I started just talking to a lot of people about what that could be. My husband always said, you should have your own business. But I, I didn't know what my business would be because I couldn't think of a widget, right? I didn't have some great, a great idea of some um, product that I was uh -huh. going to manufacture, right? And I was going to create the paper clip, right? And I'm going to be uh -huh. the, you know, I'm going to patent it and I'm going to make it. So, but what I realized was that my, my passion was working with people and helping them solve their problems. And the way for me to do that uh, with my background is through coaching. And there's a number of different ways you can become a coach. You can start your own coaching practice. You could just say, you know, poof, tomorrow, like I want to be a coach. And you could, you know, you can be a coach. There are some people that um, go through cert some certification programs. Uh, and uh, I decided to join Focal Point Coaching, which is a global coaching and uh, training franchise. 
because I didn't want to spend a couple years developing my own content and curriculum. I wanted to, I wanted to, to have um, procedure, like known processes that were going to be successful. So I basically was able to, you know, hit the ground running a lot faster being part of Focal Point than I would have on my own. Wow. Uh, websites and marketing material and as I said, content and curriculum and uh, process for lead generation and all those sorts of things. So, and the best part about it is that being a coach is normally a very lonely existence. Like you do it on your own. I have a network. See, <laughs> I have that's network, incredible. Which yeah. is fantastic. So I, and there's not a day that goes by that I don't talk to other focal point coaches uh, who have very different practices from me, but we all share the passion for coaching. We have similar values and we help each other, which is different than a lot of coaches compete, but we don't compete. We really believe that if I have something great that I did, I can share it with someone else and then they can, they will, we were sort of a pay it forward sort of organization. That's amazing. That's awesome. so, yeah. A sense of community. And it's amazing. You had the foresight to not, cause you have a lot of people and they want to start a business oh, I need to be an entrepreneur in every single aspect. And then they fall short because they don't realize certain responsibilities that they weren't yeah. able to take on. No, that's right. I think uh, successful entrepreneurs know what they're good at and know what they're not good at. Yeah, and it's easier yeah. said than done having that self-awareness a lot of the time. Yeah, I knew there were lots of things that I wasn't good at and I was going to have to hire somebody to do them. So what's the difference? You know, What's the difference between hiring somebody or being part of an organization that provides those things? And Sharon, what we've seen a common theme on every guest we've had with entrepreneurship and the power of the pivot, like you clearly have a knack for, you've been very successful in different jobs with insane companies and you've had the self-awareness to be like, okay, I'm ready for a change. What piece of advice would you give somebody that's either looking to change careers or start their own thing for the first time and are kind of a bit hesitant? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, a pivot, I've done lots of talks about how to be successful with a pivot, you know, a pivot is that, again, you have to have a clear vision of what it is, what it is that you're trying to reach. So, um, so to just say, I want to do something else is not specific enough to have then have a plan to be able to reach that. So you have to have an idea of what it is, like not maybe a, not a particular company, but a, some an industry uh, type of role because you're going to need to be doing a lot of work, a lot of applications, a lot of networking, a lot of talking to people to try and move into into those areas. And um, and so having laser focus on where it is you're trying to go is num is going to be your best friend. It's going to tell you where to spend your time and where not to spend your time. Because doing a pivot is not a regular job search. It's like a job search on steroids, right? You really have to do a whole lot more. So, so you have to have laser, laser focus and you have to make it easy to, to, um, to your target to explain why you would be a good candidate. So, so meaning like what skills, what value do you bring that other people don't? You have to have that story and tell that story. Tell that story in your LinkedIn. Tell that story in your resume, in your cover letters. But don't make it like 
for the hiring manager, you don't want to make it so difficult that they can't figure out like why, you know, why would I look at you? You have no experience in this area. Mm, so clearly, in, clearly in my life, I went into roles where I had no experience. But uh -huh. I told a good story. I had to have a good story. I had to have a hook. And I had to have a good story. My whole move into higher education was because I was able to tell the story about how I had this higher education volunteer experience and extensive knowledge, knowledge and experience on Wall Street with strategy and process and operations. And I was going to combine the two. And I thought it was going to be really great to bring independent perspective. I was able to tell this really great story. Um, and that was the value that I brought to the table that differentiated me from other people. Because clearly there were other people that were internal, that were qualified. So, so you have to tell that story. Even when I moved uh, into Columbia Law School, why should we hire you? You're not a lawyer. You don't know anything about legal education. Wow. But I've, but I've led teams and I have, have uh, focused on the customer experience and, uh, and I've done budgets and I've problem solved and I've developed, you know, strategies and, and set goals and implemented and had to do lots of hard things before, which was, um, made my eventually made my stomach turn, but, you know, laying a lot of people off and making a lot of changes. So it can be, yeah. but you have to, but again, you have to tell, a you know, a story. So, um, and so if you're a person that wants to, you know, switch an industry and do similar work in a different industry, well, why, you know, why do you want to do that? And what skills and experience do you bring? And maybe you do some training, some webinars, some certificate or something. You have to like sort of get up on the buzzwords, right? For sure. You have and to distinguish yourself. And the issues of the day so that you can bring those things up. And then you, you know, then you tell your story to everybody that will listen. Everybody. I love it. And, you know, it helps people make sense because we live in the chaotic world. People make sense. Everything's built on a story. So when you think of successful brands, whether it's personal or business, they connected with people with a storyline that made sense. That's right. So that's that's very enlightening, Sharon, because I think a lot of times people are in like a tilt -a world when it comes to, oh, I need to do something else, but they don't have an action plan. It's always just the, oh, let's hope for the best here. And like you said, that's a wish. That doesn't actually work out. That's, right. so that, that's great for our viewers. And Sharon, we obviously we're in the food delivery business, so we have to put you on the spot with food here. Being in the melting pot of New York, which is the mecca of food, do you have a favorite restaurant? Uh, I have a lot of favorites. Um, probably the one that we go to is like we're we're very loyal to you know our neighborhood joints. You know, hmm. what, what, neighbor, what neighborhood are you in? Uh, I'm on the Upper West Side. Okay. I'm okay. on the Upper East. What's that? I'm on the Upper East. Okay. So we have a place that we go to a fair amount. It's called Bella Luna. Love that place. And uh, it's on um, 88th and Columbus. And so sort of a funny story. Uh, my daughter's name is Bella. Beautiful. And uh, and so is so she always thought that that was great, right? That her name was <laughs> in the restaurant name. But that actually wasn't even just enough. Uh, in many several years ago, when she was in first grade, they had a restaurant unit in the first grade, 
where they learned all of the different jobs in a restaurant and they actually had a restaurant in her classroom where they prepared food and they had people come in and they had people that were servers and other people that were chefs and they had a, you know, a maitre d' and like all the jobs. And to prepare their classroom for this restaurant, they took a field trip where they take the field trip to Bella Luna. They went to Bella Luna and everyone also that's connected with their writing. And my daughter wrote a review of Bella Luna, which I thought that then she should share because it was such a great review. I thought she should share it with the owner of Bella Luna. So one day we went in and she took in her, um, her first grade <laughs> review of the restaurant, met the owner. He puts it up, you know, prominently displayed and uh you know in the restaurant for all to see so it's like this so they're it's very much like a we have a relationship right with the owner and the people that work there and it's a favorite anyway their grilled chicken pizza is delicious wow and see now i'm craving pizza sharon it doesn't take much but you just triggered it that's nothing like some great new york pizza sharon have you been dining outside during the cold months I was I was going to actually say we went out the operative word being out uh, <laughs> we went out uh, for New Year's right and we went to Bella Luna and so they've you know of course got um, the outdoor a, setup there's, a tent, there's an outdoor setup there's some airflow there's some heaters and for the most part it was pretty good what it doesn't compensate for is that you're food gets cold faster. <laughs> That's true. Your food gets cold faster and your utensils get can get really cold. But uh, we took some blankets with us. So we had some blankets on our laps and the heaters, the heaters were good. And, and uh, that was really the, in the summertime, it was no big deal, right? We, yeah, we did great it during the summer, but, uh, but now, no, we really do just, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough, uh, getting in the delivery mode at all, ordering in. Oh yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah. So we, like. we, we order in, we try, um, we try and order directly from the restaurant so that they don't suffer from the fees of a, you know, an intermediary. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and we can get more money into the pockets of, you know, the delivery people. And like, this is our thing, right? We, we want to support the restaurants in our community. So yeah, and in New York, it's different. Every place does delivery, so it's easier to call a restaurant, just get it delivered. Um, you know, you don't need a third party where, you know, where we operate in other markets, it's suburbs, and you need yeah. a delivery service. We That's tried. We tried a Uber Eats the other day for the first time. So this is where they're where where they're putting the Uber drivers to work, right. basically delivering the food. So we tried that. Um, you know, whatever. Yeah. It's, all, it's all, it's all just, you know, it's all, it's all the same. It was fine. It was fast. Uh -huh. It was, it was fast and you have to go. And you have to understand though, this is on top of my husband is a chef. Oh, and wow. Uh, my husband is trained as a chef. He actually teaches cooking now. So I get really good food at home. So we have to just be tired of cooking for us to. I was going to say, Sharon, I'm jealous. Like having a chef in yeah. your own home like that. That's my dream. Yeah. No, I, I always wonder. As, like, as a chef, 
does he get tired of cooking ever? Yeah. Like when he yeah. gets home, does he not want to cook? He doesn't want to cook. I mean, yeah. he he's actually a teacher now, so he doesn't um, he he doesn't isn't cooking all day long. Uh, but yeah, he gets he gets tired like like everybody else. It's like I don't want to cook dinner. Yeah. Let's you know let's order in. Sounds right. like you weren't too impressed with Uber Eats. I don't blame you. <laughs> yeah, it was all right. It was. Sharon, what would you say ultimate cheat meal is? Like calories mean nothing. The Sunday food coma. What comes to mind? Oh, well, it's simple. Like I'm the happiest with, um, you know, a good bowl of pasta, right? Mm. So just give me, you know, just give me a really nice bowl of pasta, um, you know, a bolognese or something with my husband's um, uh, garlic bread, which is just, he probably made the bread and then garlic is just, you know, fantabulous and just perfect and that's like i'm a happy girl i'm not happy it's amazing i mean yeah you can't beat a great bowl of pasta i'm with you on that that could be my go-to meal myself yeah comfort definite comfort food have you ever tried have you ever tried elia or elia e-l-e-a on the upper west side on like 85th it's greek it's greek um i have not is it good it's amazing. It's one of my favorite restaurants. Okay. There really we go. I'm going to have to look that up. And Sharon, for our viewers, before we have you off here, where could they find you for coaching if somebody's interested in bringing you on? Yeah. So, uh, so I have a website. It's uh, Sharon Richter, all one word, SharonRichter.focalpointcoaching.com. Uh, or you can send me an email, srichter at focalpointcoaching.com. And, um, or of course you can just look me up on LinkedIn, you know, Sharon, uh, Sharon Richter, Richter, focal point coaching. You can find me on LinkedIn and message me. And usually what I do is, um, you know, the first, I'm actually glad that you asked that question. So if there's anybody that's interested just in having a conversation, uh, with me, my first conversation with people is always just a complimentary thing. So anybody that wants to book a half an hour with me, uh, it's, it's totally free and, uh, you know, and Hey, a subset of those are the people that I, you know, that really need my help and that I actually, uh, I actually work with. So you asked me before, like, I don't necessarily work with everybody, but I can, I can tell through these conversations, right? You got the sixth sense. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's so awesome. I'm you first conversations and people can look me up and I'm happy to have a conversation. Awesome. That's awesome. We'll, we'll spread the word and Sharon really appreciate the time. Great connecting and we'll definitely keep in touch. Maybe you and Corey could break bread in the city one of these days. Awesome. Yeah. Back when we can do that, we'll get the shot in the arm and we'll be good. To yeah, go. exactly. Really, no, it's coming. Nice to meet you, Sharon. Nice to meet yeah. you also. Have a good night. Thanks again, Sharon. Have Take a great care. night. Bye. That was Sharon Richter. Uh, Focal point coaching, great woman. Seems like she's a woman with a plan. And, you know, I, I think that whole volunteering piece she talked about was really interesting because I don't, when we talk about like selflessness in the world, I always say, no, any act when you really think about it is selfish, even when you are being selfless, because it ends up helping you out, which not, not, and I think selfishness gets a bad rep a lot of times. It's not a bad thing. I think the world revolves around that. And it's interesting how when you put yourself out there in a volunteering role where it's known as a selfless act, it ends up allowing you to be very selfish. And that's not at all how she was spinning it. It's just when I thought about that with how volunteering could help 
put you out there, build confidence, have give you the platform for people to listen to you because you're giving up your time, which we know is the most valuable asset out there. It's interesting how in Sharon's situation, it ended up leading to her next career opportunity. So I think it goes to show, in, you know, and we saw that last week with Lauren Berman, Fort Gang too, with the whole show business, putting herself out there, not being afraid to fail. It ended up leading to her job. So it just shows everybody, do, don't be afraid to do stuff because you don't know how it's going to turn out. You might go and volunteer at a soup kitchen and meet your future significant other, or it might lead to you meeting somebody that leads to a job. Not saying you should do these things trying to get those yeah. things out of it yeah. by any means. I'm just saying in life, expect the unexpected. And the more you put yourself out there, which guys, we've seen every guest we've had, it's the common theme of, okay, well, I'm I'm just confident in myself. I'm being genuine and I'm living my day and things work out for these people. Totally. So that that's cool. And uh yeah, now I'm craving Italian like every other night. It's not like I, I'm always either wanting dumplings or pizza, I've noticed. Can't go wrong. Yeah, it never gets old. Or Dan's late night French toast. Yeah, I might be making some tonight. I got a fresh jalap loaf. Oh, um, man. Oh, Young I man know. and Marie are licking their chops right now. They don't even know what's coming. Neither does <laughs> He worked himself up quite an appetite on the beach earlier. Man. Man. Leo, he was just crushing it on the beach. Really? I throw my arm out before Leo gets tired running back and forth. <laughs> like that's how much dominant endurance this dog has. It's ridiculous. That's awesome. Especially yeah. on the beach. I know. You and you keep thinking he's done, where it's like up, oh, he's he's finished. And then it's like up oh, second wind, third wind. It's crazy. Pretty impressive. He's worked up quite an appetite today. <laughs> Are you gonna have uh, dinner with Leo? Not tonight. I'll, I'll do a dinner with Leo when Jeff gets settled in his new spot. But uh, yeah, guys, th everyone subscribe, Rolling Market Mashup. We'd really appreciate it if you could leave a review too, five star, we would hope. That's something we got to build up, guys, is some more reviews. Uh, yeah, you know, we start pushing that more. And uh, we'll see you next week. Stay healthy, keep kicking ass, and go crush some dinner, regardless of what time zone you're on. It's about to be six o'clock somewhere. Boom, baby. Bootstrapped in the trenches, yeah. making moves going all out. Every day, handle business. You know that the hustle don't stop. Got my team, let's get it. Reviewing books and talk stocks. Steady, keep it moving. So you gon' wanna tune in. Get Lowdale, it's an app. Get local food on demand. Delivery right to your home. Everything in the palm of your hand. Took hard work and dedication. Come through, join the conversation. This is history up in the making. We just wanna be an inspiration. Hey, let's go.